Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys who are about as predictable as an edgelord's tragic backstory. <laughs> oh, dude. It's sad because it's true. <laughs> My name is John Santana. I am still Justin. How's it going, good buddy? It's good, man. It's going very well. I finally, finally got some D&D back on my schedule, so I'm very, very happy. That's, uh, that is absolutely awesome. So, yeah. uh, how many, like, tragic backstories have your characters had? Um, actually, only two of my characters have had tragic backstories. Really? Yeah, so I I it was like cuz obviously that that's a trope that like is very well known in in the hobby, right? Of every character has this like tragic backstory and that's why they're out doing what they're doing. Um for the most part I try to avoid it when writing backstories. Now, it, sa- saying that, the second character that I've written with a tragic backstory happens to be the character I created this week. But <laughs> So I realized that I'm being a little bit hypocritical right now. Um, but yeah, I've always tried to avoid it because I wanted to have a, a different different thing, you know, because you don't have to have a tragic backstory to go adventuring. Maybe you just woke up one day and went, fuck it, I'm going adventuring. I once saw a meme and it was, you know, rather than having a, a sort of tragic backstory, it was something like... Um, an orc barbarian whose parents pressured him into it. <laughs> I love that. Which I thought was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, um, but I just wanted to like run a general store. Like, no, you will go fucking adventuring. No my, son of mine will be a grocery store vendor. My father was an adventurer. <laughs> I'm an adventurer. If you will take up the family <laughs> business. And I just think that's, that's I brilliant. love that. Although that's kind of tragic in its own right, right? Because it's like peer pressure. <laughs> it's a different kind of tragedy. <laughs> I mean, my first, my first character was as tragic as they come. But then again, he was borderline psychopathic. So there was... Um, borderline? There was essentially some trauma that he might. So, so, sorry, into. sorry. Borderline? No, he was true. He was truly psychopathic. <laughs> he was funny as fuck. Dude, he was so bad. Even actual psychopaths be like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> At one point, Scott just gave up saying no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that's how psychopathic he was. You broke somebody in real life. But it was good. It was it was fun. But that was that was a tragic backstory. And I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, then obviously, I brought his sister into the campaign, so they shared a tragic. They, backstory. they shared a tragic backstory. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I don't believe there is because most of what I've been playing, other than that, has always been kind of uh, Pathfinder Society sort of thing, mm. and I don't really put that much emphasis into them. Yeah. So, I don't know, one of my latest characters, he's uh, he's a gunslinger bard. Oh, sorry, a bard gunslinger. The bard kind of a takes... A bard slinger. And, yeah, basically... Um, <laughs> Slings his bards. His name is um, John Bovey. Okay. So I, he was basically a washed-up sort of rock star. Oh, that's... 
Oh, actually, I remember you telling me about him before. Yeah, I remember. And I cringed as hard when you told me the first time. Ah, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, the only character up until this one I created last week, the only character I ever created with a tragic backstory was uh, Quill, the rogue that sat in a tree. <laughs> um, that was the only character I created with a tragic backstory. After that, um, my backstory generally went along the lines of... Um, they were like at a tavern one day and someone said, I bet you couldn't last two minutes adventuring. And they kind of went, hold my beer. Um, like it's been along those sort of lines. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of like been my, my go-to is that sort of uh, doing it for the, the hell of it or like, no, like not one of those things where it's like, Oh, I need to get revenge on some douchebag that killed my uncle's cousins, auntie's brother's dog. Um, sort of thing. I mean, I've, I'm thinking of, like, character concepts. Um, there is one that I'm kind of keeping close to the chest. Mm-hmm. I think at some point I will kind of reveal him to you, but not just yet, but I think... I is, think it when, is it when I run a game that you join and then make that character? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, uh, Surprise! <laughs> Basically, I've got a concept in in mind for a character, and it is far too fucking good to use for an NPC. (laughs) And I think it might be the greatest backstory I've ever come up with. Okay, interesting. So you you will meet him at some point. At some point, interesting. I say meet them because I don't even know that much about the character. I just know that you just know this bit. Yeah, (laughs) you know how they got to where they are now. Nothing else about them. No, I've got a class in mind. Um, okay, but okay. other than that, that that's about it. So fair enough. Yeah. Well, I look forward to meeting them one day. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, how have you been, buddy? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, like pretty, pretty good. Like I said, you know, happy to finally have some D and D back back on the schedule. Um, got two campaigns now, alternating with uh with a friend of mine, um, who is trying his his hand at GMing for the first time. Bless him. He has no idea what he's just agreed to. (laughs) It's one of these things that it's either going to be the best thing he's ever done or the worst thing he's ever done. For me, it was the best, but... See, I think think he's really going to enjoy it. He's, He's a lot like me. He likes to build things and see what he can... How he can bend stuff to be fun. Uh, so I think he's really going to enjoy it. And um, the fact that, you know, he, he's decided that he wants to do this is really cool. So I am encouraging him every step of the way. Good for him. Wish him all the best. Mm. And we built characters and mine is awesome. Oh, do tell. So my character, his name is uh, Grameth Truthgod Valunaga. Nice. He is a Goliath Paladin, because I realized when trying to decide what I wanted to play for this campaign, I have never even built a Paladin, let alone played one um, in any system. So I thought this would be a good time, you know, new player, like trying their hand at DMing, try something new myself, and we can both learn at the same time. Um, so I decided I didn't want to go down the standard Paladin route of like huge AC, carrying a shield and just standing at the front going, ha ha, you can't hit me. I didn't want to do that. Um, so I've decided instead that he's going to be an Oath of Vengeance Paladin. 
which is why he needs the tragic backstory because he needs a reason to want vengeance right Makes so that's sense, why i yeah. kind of had to give him the tragic backstory um basically some criminal organization killed his sister so he's out to destroy them all um pretty standard stuff boilerplate stuff um, but he carries along with him, because obviously he's massive, so he's able to do this. He carries a great club, a great sword, and a great axe, because he's a great guy. Hmm. <laughs> How long have you been working uh, on that? that not far the character, too long. just that, that joke. Line. Far too long. I've been yeah. saying it since I built him. Um, but basically, his general thing is, right, he uses the great club on everyone, unless you've earned the right to die by a blade, then he'll use his great sword. And if you're really special... He'll use a great axe. I like that twist. I think that's mm. quite fun. So yeah, that's that's about as far as uh, as I've got with him because obviously we haven't played any any sessions yet. We just did our session zero, so I've written out like his his backstory, which is very very detailed. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's going to be really fun to play, and I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. And how about the other session zero? How did that go? That was amazing. So I, I had to say no to two character uh, concepts that were brought to the table. Um, one was because they wanted to use a race from Spelljammers, which is essentially the D&D space book. Um, and I was like, no, because that's space race. So no, because um, it wouldn't have fit in the world that I'm having them play in. Uh, that was the only reason. The other one was an amnesiac changeling bard. And I could see where that was going. So I said no, because <laughs> the other players in the group are very new, <laughs> and I didn't want them to have that kind of fuckery around. Um, but yeah, that, that was all I had to say no to. Other than that, it was it was very good. So the characters that I've got, uh, we've got a character called Gunny, who is a tiefling artificer, who will be awesome for um, the cannons and stuff on the boat, because obviously it's going to be a piratey adventure. Um, we've got a Tempest Cleric. Uh, half elf tempest cleric which would be cool because they get spells like fog and a lot of um like weather spells and abilities which again would be pretty cool um you know sailing the seven seas uh we've also got and this this is one of my favorites we've got a tabaxi druid who is afraid of water canonically right because <laughs> uh, so to, to put it into perspective and i i love that he he did this None of these characters are willingly aboard this ship to yeah, begin press with. Press ganged, essentially. It's, well, actually, the 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 main concept is they're actually they've been kidnapped for to be sold as slaves, right. and then they get they're going to mutiny and take the ship. Is the plan? Mm. Whether that happens or not, we'll see. But that's the plan. Um, they know that, so they went into it building characters not specifically for the boat just for whatever their own backstory was. And then it's, you know, up to me to twist it and make it work. Um, and I love that he's made this cat that's afraid of water because uh, tabaxi are cat folk, right? Yeah. So yeah, this uh, and he's the fact that he's a druid as well, which means he can actually like later on, he'll be able to wild shape into like aquatic animals, but he doesn't because he's afraid of water. I love that. It's just such a great bit of flavor. Um, and then the other one, and this is my other favorite, um is a turtle bard so turtles obviously are the 5e version of like the turtle people right yeah um uh, it's a bard uh named manfan who is based around the concept of the bogan from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy okay 
And the way he inspires people is by boring them into doing things better so that he shuts the fuck up. <laughs> so basically, the, the, the canon version is he's such a shit bard, they want him to shut up so they do better. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that could uh, just again, it's just like, it's going to be so funny. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, so we, we kind of went over the, the main campaign concept um, and, uh, you know, things like that. Um, went through a few concepts that I use for my games. Um, so I, I use a thing uh, that I like to call, uh, that I call like lines and veils. I don't know if you've seen that before. Um, it rings a bell, but I don't think I've, I've really it, invested. Essentially, in it, so. it's, it's something that I like to go over in a session zero. It's, it's any topics that people absolutely do not want mentioned ever in a game essentially yeah, like right. a trigger warning type thing um and then that, so that would go on the lines which the, at no point will you cross that line into that stuff being mentioned and then veils are stuff that they would prefer not to be like on screen in in air quotes so it'll be you can like imply that it's happened but you never outwardly go into it right no yeah i mean um i think those things are, are hugely important especially with yeah. a table that you know may or may not know each other as well yeah, I think it's quite good to get those things kind um, of ironed out at the at the start. Well, because I mean, I, th- I think as well, it also prevents a lot of the the posts that we've seen on various Reddit's, right? Where oh, we've got this one player who keeps doing this and it's making everyone uncomfortable. Whereas, like, if you laid it out in your like session zero, right, these things are off limits, and then they start doing it, you've got valid grounds. We're like, dude, look, we all agreed that we wouldn't. So, can you just either fucking stop or fuck off, right? um so it's just good all round to to get those down and, and listed somewhere so went through those um and then yeah just kind of um got all of the the players to send me a, a little little bit of information about what they were doing before they got knocked the fuck out um just for my own kind of personal information um which was good so one of them uh because the tabaxi druid is named kajit Hazwares. <sighs> I'm trying to like map that out in my head to see if there's a joke in there. It, there is. It's from Skyrim, I think. It's, it's, it's one of those sorts of things. It's a quite, like famous quote from a character in Skyrim, I think. Oh, then there's no way. I would yeah, do <laughs> it, I think it's it, it's it's either Skyrim or one of the games in that that series, right? Um, but yeah, so he is. He was, before obviously waking up on this boat, he was a merchant by trade. Um, so he was traveling around and he was in Waterdeep, which is where they were all, they all were before waking up on the ship. Um, he was there to sell a ring to someone. And obviously it was all a ruse. And when he arrived, they just knocked him the fuck out and threw him on the boat. Um, so just l- little things like that of like, so that I know kind of where their character, like character's head was at before they woke up. Um, and may or may not come back to haunt them later. No, that's good. That's good. I'm I'm really glad it went well. I'm glad you you've like both sessions went well. Yeah, you've got a clear idea of of where you're heading in your own campaign, and you've got mm-hmm. a good idea for a character in in the one that you're playing. Yes, and I'm assuming you're getting to grips with Obsidian. Oh, dude, I love it. It's like um, it's it's almost becoming second nature to me now. Like I, I've created like um, a session journals folder in there, so like my session zero, I've written it all out. And at the top, um, I've got like a section for which characters were present for the session, 
um and i've linked those to um the character sheets and stuff that i've got for them um so obviously i can as you know you can control like control hover over stuff yeah um so i can see like the overview of the character and the full character sheet from dnd beyond i've got them in custom frames and stuff um so it's just it's awesome i love it i'm so glad i started using it yeah me too um <laughs> And I've just been using it more and more. And I actually did um, start using Text Generator as well. Mm, it's good, right? It is quite good. It is quite good. I've got, like, templates already set up mm. for, for the things that, that I need. Yeah. Um. So I've got one set up for my NPCs. I've got one set up for the inns, which the inn one I just basically got off uh, Josh, Josh P. Yeah, that's one I use as well. So that's a huge shout out to Josh P, yeah. who's one of the mm. sort of flag bearers for Obsidian. He used to be a flag bearer for Realmworks, and when that tanked, we, you know, everyone fell silent as we were kind of looking for new, new, new campaign to do managers. Yeah. I, I went into using Trello. And then all of a sudden, someone else in the group went, hey, have you guys checked this out? And thus the Obsidian tabletop role-playing game Facebook group was born. Mm-hmm. And Josh putting out just so much content. Oh, and it's so good as well. Like, I, I would not have anywhere near a usable um, campaign manager set up in it without his videos and stuff. It's been absolutely incredible. No, it's great. And he can't, you know, like even he himself will say he's not taking all the credit because he is just basically getting all these modules Mm. written by all these different people and he's kind of putting them in one place and showing people how to use them. So it's such such a community-driven project. The Facebook group has become a bit quiet ever since the Discord kind of um, took off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's still a phenomenal community, and yeah. it is a phenomenal, phenomenal program. It is. It's really good. I'm enjoying it. So yeah, I mean, my Obsidian was getting filled out. <laughs> yes, because you were playing games yesterday, weren't you? I was, I was. That was uh, my homebrew campaign. Um, <laughs> we have now kind of crested the hill in the sense that everything that's happening now going forward is the march to the end Mm. they have traveled the world they have found out valuable information they've obtained valuable items and now it's a case of they are returning to where it all began and they're they're heading through the world essentially there's a lot of travel between the two points, which gives me enough time for, for some more sort of adventures and more things to throw at them. Uh, but they are now, they've got an objective in mind. It's like, this has to be stopped. Mm. And they are kind of heading towards where the adventure began. And that is going to be the place of the final confrontation. And I'll be wrapping up this this campaign. I'm thinking six months, maybe. You see, that's the part that concerns me with mine, is very early on, the players are going to need to make a decision, which is obviously going to shape the way that the campaign goes. And I'm very worried about which decision they're going to (laughs) make. Because I've planned for one, 
which means they're probably going to choose the other one. <laughs> but I think our styles differ greatly. Yes. Oh, very much so. Because um, I, I like to plan as far ahead as I possibly can, and you prefer to not. <laughs> I mean, I plan a point. So yeah. th- this final confrontation that they are heading towards, I have known is going to happen since the very beginning. How they have got to where they are and how they will get there that's the part that is dynamic. That's the part that's mm. going to change. As long as I'm steering them in the right direction. Yeah. If they miss out on some valuable information in place A, Oopsie. that valuable information <laughs> will appear in place B. Yeah. And it will kind of guide them. So for me, it's they are free to do whatever they want as characters. Mm. They will get to this point one way or another yeah so i think that's kind of where we differ i don't i'm not as meticulous yeah oh yeah absolutely i would i would agree with that but yeah so it is it is interesting so this week i've been most of my prep was map making (laughs) and losing my absolute rag (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I wanted to, to develop a town, a village, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, relatively small village, 10 to 12 buildings. But I wanted it to be 100% interactive. So every building they could go in and yes. there'd be an interior, etc., etc. And I started doing it on Dungeon Draft. And yes, I saw you posting some stuff to the Facebook. Yes, and I wanted kind of a a sort of pathway that led to a to a cemetery and i wanted the cemetery to be on a raised sort of platform and and all this and the shadowing was doing my absolute fucking tits in and i just went you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna just boot up dungeon alchemist which is something i bought a while back and i've only used very sparingly to throw together a quick room or whatever Mm. So I'm going to try do it and see what happens. And yeah, I may have warmed up to Dungeon, Al- Dungeon Alchemist. Um, I built the entire town with the, with the cemetery. I couldn't do raised um, platforms because either the program's limited or my knowledge is. Yeah. But I did it in a fraction of the time. And on top of that, one of my players is they're all quite high level now they're all 17th and her character has um a spell called resplendent mansion Ooh. where they can essentially conjure up this huge mansion yes yeah another one to, yeah to rest in and whatnot so i went all right just Give me the description and I'll build this mansion. So I was doing that as well. So it's like four floors of fucking mansion that I did. Jeez. Um, so yeah, map making has been the the primary goal this past week. That's all right. But yeah, the, yeah, the march to the end is on. And then... But is, that, is that the title of this chapter, is it? <laughs> no, I haven't given the, haven't given the t- chapter a title. I'm just calling it that. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll be... I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of drama between now and the end. Oh, absolutely. 
because the stakes are higher and mm. I'm going to throw harder and harder stuff at them. So That doesn't sound like you. No, of course not. I'm a soft no, You're going to just keep throwing them Steves. Ah, oh, good old Steve. Yeah, I miss Steve. Oh, for, yeah. for those of you listening that know who Steve is, couch, I'm looking at you, um, you'll be pissing yourself laughing. For those of you that don't, the first ever skeleton we fought in our first ever campaign, I jokingly called Steve, and then that became the name of every skeleton we fought ever. Um, for some reason. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> which, which is not very good because Steve is a notoriously hard to pronounce name for skeletons. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's why they're so angry. That's why they kept attacking us, because they couldn't say their name. <laughs> Steve! <laughs> that's why they were so angry. <laughs> right, possibly. Right, possibly. They were just sick of people in Starbucks getting their orders wrong. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? <sighs> but yeah, so that is, that is basically my news in a nutshell. Um, currently prepping. I've got a game... An in-person game on the 19th. Ooh. So we're going to be person. heading to Wayland Games in Hockley. Okay. And we're going to be running some Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Nice. That'll be cool. So that's going to be quite cool. I, and I do like going down there. They've got some really good stuff in there. Yeah, you're welcome to join us on Saturday if you want. Uh, I will have my small human being, so I shall ah, not. Well, then. But yeah, so that's it from me. But um, we did have a look, and there is like some news. This There's week. actual news, yeah. There's actual news. Act- actual news. Not, do you want just... Do you want Do you want to kick it off? I mean, I, I suppose we could start with the one D and D. Sorry, D and D that isn't one D and D, but is definitely one D and D. You've said <laughs> it now. You've said it. Survey feedback. <laughs> You've said it, and it's not getting edited. Get edited. Out, I know it's not. It's um... there for. It's there forever. Well, because that's the title of the fucking article. What one D and D? One D and D. About it's one called, D and D. It's called one D and D. New edition. One D and D. But it's not one D and D. No one D and D. New edition. Not one D and D. Um. Yeah. So basically, they've uh had the the survey feedback on all of the um playtests and stuff. Um, and overall, some of it's been pretty well received. Um. Some of it not so well received. <laughs> uh, Wizard got a bit of a mixed reception because people were hoping that Wizards would get a specific spell list um, and not share a list. So they feel like there's not really much uniqueness, if that's a word, to Wizards, um, which I both do and don't agree with at the same time. Because what makes them unique is the fact that they can cast so many fucking spells. Um... Like, because they, 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 the variation they have on their spells is just insane, right? Because they've yeah. basically got everything, um, and they can swap out and all that sort of thing. That's what makes them so powerful. All the other classes either don't have as big a spell list, or can't swap out spells once they've taken them unless they level up. Um, so I, I don't know if they need their own spell list, um, because it's the flexibility that makes them powerful. Um, yeah, I don't see why they they would need it. They, I mean, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, they don't. Mm. You know, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, there are essentially four spell lists. Yeah. You've got the Arcane, the Occult, the Divine, and the Primal. Yeah. And basically, the wizard uses Arcane. 
Well, that, that's the same list that they would use in the new D&D rules, is an arcane list. Um, and basically some people are getting a bit upset with that because they think that the wizards should have their own spell list, and I don't think that they should. No, I think that's just stupid. It is, yeah. But it's just people being... I, I guarantee you the only people that are complaining about that are people who play wizard exclusively and they just want their class to be bigger. Um, that, that's all it is. The game isn't even out, and you've already got power gamers. Yes. <laughs> you've met gamers before, right? <laughs> ah. um, I'm just, I'm just going to sigh. <sighs> <laughs> but yeah, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, although, speaking about D&D rule changes, um, this isn't news-related, but it's something that I completely forgot existed, and I was literally saying that it would be a really cool way to do spells in D&D and then I got reminded that it is actually an official rule that you can implement in your games is spell points like so essentially like mana for casting spells rather than using spell slots um there is already rules for that in in the books and I just completely forgot they existed I was very very annoyed at myself for that I mean I'm not I'm surprised a lot more people aren't um, using that system, I personally because, think it's better because Vancian magic is is very heavily criticised. Yeah, and you know I've used systems that do kind of a variation on the on the sort of spell points and mm. and all that. And Rollmaster being the one that that I know the most. Yeah, but Rollmaster is just batshit insane anyway. Well, that's the thing. These aren't new rules either. Like, the spell points variant has been in 5e since the Dungeon Master's Guide was printed. It's it's from the DMG. <laughs> um, and essentially, it's just every level has a point cost to cast a spell from that level. And each level, you have a certain number of spell points that reset on a long rest. That's it. Simple as. Done. And then you've got a max spell level that you can cast based on your level. That's it. You can cast any mixture of spells as long as you don't go over your spell points. What I liked about Rollmaster is they didn't have the limitation of the uh, the level of spell you could cast. Mm. It just made it a fuck ton more dangerous. So um, you you were given like a, a spell list of, let's say, 10 spells, ranging from 1 to 10, right? Yeah. At lower level, at level 1, your character can cast with relative ease, level one spells. Yeah. And you can do it with a very minimum of non-existent cost. You do have access to these 10th level spells, which you can cast, but the roll to cast them is ridiculous. (laughs) And the penalty for fucking them up is absolutely stupid. I mean, I put my spellcaster in a coma for six months <laughs> well i mean like the the ramp up though on the spell points is actually is a bit insane though right so the amount of spell points you get um at level one is four which is fine because that's two first level spells right because first level, uh first level spells cost two points uh then you get six then 14 17 27 32 38 44 by the time you get to 20th level you've got 133 spell points um so think about how many like fireballs you can cast with that, right? Third level spells, which is what fireball is, is five five point cost. So one hundred and thirty three <laughs> divided by five. 
uh, is 26.6. So you can cast 26 fireballs uh, per long rest. Yeah, that just gives, sounds fun. It does, and it just gives it gives the casters more versatility. Yeah, because you're not going to sit there and go, oh, shit, I really need to hang on to that spell level, so I'm not going to do that spell level, so I'll, I'll cast it up because I want to save a second level spell slot for that particular spell that I can't upcast. Like, no, just fucking long that off. You've got enough spell points or mana or uh, magical force inside of you to cast that much. Do it. However you mix and match it, do it. And it also the narrative also is a lot easier yeah. to, to fit in as well. Absolutely. To say, oh, I don't have energy, as opposed to saying, yeah. oh, I'm out of fifth level spells. <laughs> oh, I, I don't have enough energy to cast my first level spell. Let me upcast it at a higher spell slot. What? <laughs> yeah so yeah i do i do get the use it just of makes it. more sense um, <laughs> so i'm gonna start using that in my not new player games because i think new players should learn the rules as they are based because that's how 90 percent of the tables are gonna play them right um so i think for new players i'm gonna teach them how it like how it is base but for my more advanced games i'm gonna use the spell point variant instead hey honestly i don't know if i agree with that well, it's more I, because I don't want them to learn spell points and then they go to another table where they don't use the spell point variant and then they have to try and learn a whole new system that makes then, no sense to them. Then they'll learn a whole new system. Or yeah, if I they guess. go to a table that isn't D&D. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to learn new stuff anyway. Regardless, yeah, that's I mean, true. Even if you were to, to run... Do I, do I have any casters? Even if you were to run your I game... I do. I'm gonna, as, I'm, yeah, I'm going to use it. As, right. as the book intended. Yeah. Even well, this, if they this, went this is to, as the book intended, because it's e- in the book. Even if they, yeah, but like the original. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. If they went to another table which was run by another GM again as the book intended, they would still have to learn new things because they are yeah. learning with a new GM. No, so, yeah, you're quite right. Fuck it. If it's more fun, you are do quite it. right, sir. I will. I'm going to be tweaking my DM screen right now. And to your players, you are welcome. I argued your point. Well, they, they didn't know that these rules existed. Well, actually, one of them probably did. Well, the they listened to the show, so... Well, now they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. so uh, for, for my players out there that are listening, we are going to be using the variant spell points rule, um, which is going to be a lot more fun. Exactly. Because I, I was just thinking... I, I just asked like it myself, do I have any casters? And I realized that every single one of my party are casters. Yeah, because so when you be said that, it's like you've just said druid, bard, druid. It's like, yeah. <laughs> druid, bard, uh, cleric, and artificer—they're all casters. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I think I think your table is going to have fun, and if you're if you're not teaching them the the um, original rules to D and D five, who gives a fuck? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Technically, they are original rules, right? Because the ver- this is a variant rule in the DMG, so it is in the original books. It's there. Anybody can use it. It's not a homebrew rule. Um, the only homebrew rule that's been added to it, because uh, it doesn't account for artificers, because artificers came out afterwards. Um, so they've just added artificers to one of the other, because there's like different, like the the amount of spell points you get is different for um, half casters. So like um, the Eldritch Knight Fighters and Arcane Trickster Rogues, um, they get different... Um, like spell points, like because obviously they don't need as many. 
Um, and like Paladin and Ranger as well, they get slightly different um, uh, points. So the, it's just they've added an, an amendment for the Artificer um, for how to calculate their spell points because obviously they didn't exist when the book came out. Um, so I wouldn't really class that as homebrew. No, I mean, it's. I think it's good. I think your table's going to have a lot more fun with it. Mm. I like it. So, yeah, that, that's what we're doing, guys. So every, all of my players out there, we're using the spell point variation for rules. So you're going to have a fun new rule to learn. Um, and if because of that rule, one of your players dies, <laughs> well... I will take full credit. Because I'm going to use that rule for the monsters as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking full credit. <laughs> so my, my main big bad uh, evil guy, uh, he just got bigger and badder because he is a 20th level caster. So he currently has 133 spell points. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. Um, a 9th level spell for, for those out there um, is 13 points. Uh, however, spells of 6th level and higher you can only cast one of per day. Right, okay. Because they, because, and again, I, I really like the way they've ruled this, um, because they're particularly taxing to cast, because they are like very, very high level magic. Um, so those spells are very draining, so you can only cast them once per day, hmm. regardless of the point cost. No, that makes sense. So I, I do like that as a rule. Um, I don't know if sixth level is the right cutoff point, personally, but... Well, I mean, you can always kind of re-examine that. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll play it. I'll play it as written for now, and I'll see if sixth is the right cutoff point. Because I mean, I'm sure the people that wrote the book are far more intelligent than I am. Yeah, it's D and D, dude. Yeah, no, but this is old D and D. This is when the books first came out. It's not that it's not the current people. But then again, these are the same people who contradict their own rulings in tweets all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, so let, let's just not keep too much praise on them. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so we're gonna be using the spell points um variant for spell casting in my game now. So yeah, I agree with you on that one. Cool. It's gonna be more fun, so we should absolutely do what's more fun. There we go. That's why we're here. Because that's why we play the game. So, speaking of, like, Wizards of the Coast... Yes. Um, so, apparently, um, some report was done. <laughs> I don't really know too much about it. But according to this, sales in Hasbro's Wizards of the Coast and digital gaming segment were down 11% in quarter two. I can't um, imagine why. There's a load of numbers, right? Mm. But apparently, and this is the bit that surprised me, is that Magic the Gathering was a big reason for the sales decline. That mm. surprises me, because um, I always thought Magic was quite sturdy. I, it, it is and it isn't, right? Because if, if a set comes out and the community as a whole don't like the set, you're fucked. Um, because there, there have been sets that have come out where it's just been not fun to play. Um, so I, I haven't been keeping up on Magic because I, I quit. I kicked the habit a few years back and I don't want to get back into it because it's a very expensive habit. Because the way tournament play works with Magic is they have what they call standard, which I can't remember the exact cutoff, but I think it's the last four or five sets. So as a new set comes out, an old set will fall out of standard. So you have to be constantly updating your decks to fit in to competitive play. Um, and if a set comes out, and then obviously 
a set that was really good falls falls out of standard because a new set's come out and the new set doesn't really measure up i can see why they wouldn't want to replace cards from that set because they just don't work in the current meta or anything like that so i i can see why magic might fall short yeah i i still think you know it kind of i mean because if you'd have told turn around and said oh it's down because you know ogl fiasco etc etc and you know the the movie tanking yeah. You kind of go, all right, fair enough. Which I think the movie tanking has had an effect. Yeah. Uh, the OGL fiasco doesn't seem to have as much well, of an effect. I think because there weren't really many books that came out during the OGL, right? So while all that was going on, I think they only released like one book. Um, fair point, yeah. So all, all the books are already out. Everyone's already bought. Um, D&D Beyond memberships people aren't going to cancel I mean some people did cancel theirs but for the most part people still want access to their D&D Beyond characters and, and books that they've got on there so people, a lot of people were still paying their D&D Beyond subscriptions um, so yeah I, 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 I can see where you would think that that would have been a big problem for them but I, I do think it was probably just more on the lines of uh, a Magic the Gathering set came out that doesn't fit with the current meta, um, so it wasn't picked up by the players. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, I guess it's quite surprising. Um, but let me just reload this. I mean, any Magic the Gathering people out there, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that that would be my 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 guess on why Magic was down. Or everyone was hunting for the One Ring or saving all their money to get the One Ring. Is another possibility. Yeah, I mean, in the ICV2's top five uh, role-playing games for spring 2023, Dungeons Dragons, predictably still number one. Pathfinder second. Um, third is Avatar Legends. Oh, nice. I've I've gone over the like the the free rules for that, and mm. it is it is really good. Um, Vampire the Masquerade. That's always a going to be a strong yep. contender, and yep, then yep. the dark. Dark Souls RPG apparently is is fifth. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, quite quite interesting. Um, I I even when the OGL thing was happening, I knew for a start that it wouldn't have that much of a detriment on on D and D because people are loyal to the brand, as idiotic as that may be. But it's true. Are you calling idiotic? <laughs> I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm loyal to the brand. It's just, it's the system I enjoy playing, right? Um, so, like, was it shitty? Yes. Does it impact my fun in any way? No. <laughs> it doesn't impact my fun. I play a better system, so. I mean, agree to disagree. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely think that Pathfinder 2e has some stuff that I wish 5e had, but at the same time, there is a lot of stuff that 5e has that I think Pathfinder would benefit from. I think this is a discussion um, that you and I are going to go into. Um, yeah, I think maybe we cut that one off there and we make that another episode. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, I've never enjoyed 5e, and that's not just because Wizards of the Coast, that's just because tried it it didn't really resonate with me um i was mm. i enjoyed pathfinder i enjoyed the crunch yeah. that pathfinder provided 2e came out and it was just an improvement across the board mm-hmm. so that's kind of where i'm staying um the the closest i'm ever going to get to playing 5e is tales of the valley mm-hmm. that is the uh, closest that's not true I'll ever get. no it's not 
You, you are telling a lie. Are you forgetting what is sitting on our list right now? Both versions of the uh, Lord of the Rings, one of which is a 5e campaign. So you will be playing 5e. Right. Okay. Let me rephrase that. The closest I'm ever going to get to playing a <laughs> Wizards of the Coast product. There you go. There we go. <laughs> I just, just, I wanted to just clarify. No, you know? no, that is, just, you know, no, no. Yeah. I appreciate the clarification. <laughs> So I'm just going to be more adamant. I will never play a Wizards of the Coast product. <laughs> but speaking of Magic the Gathering, did you hear that there was a, a theft at Gen Con? I did. Yeah, someone's like someone's got a fuck ton of cards, yeah. 300 grand's worth. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if it was all Magic, though. I think it was just like a, it was a couple of pallets or something of trading cards. I don't know what game it was. Well, Did- according to the IMPD news, the India- Indianapolis Metropo- Metropolitan Police Department yeah. detectives had developed strong persons of interest regarding the theft of $300,000 worth of Magic the Gathering gaming cards. Oh, it was all Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, there you go. Maybe that's why they're down, because $300,000. 300000 just walked out the fucking door. Apparently, the 300000 was um, at cost as well. Jesus. So it wasn't retail. So that 300,000 close oh to a million. Oh my God, yeah, take. absolutely. It's going to be up there somewhere. <laughs> Jesus. However, that being said, it didn't really put a damper on Gen Con, mm. who um, apparently had one of their best years ever. Well, I mean, not hard to understand why, considering, you know, the the boom that the hobby has seen in recent, you know, in the, in the recent years, especially like, you know, coming out of COVID and all that, a lot of people got into it over the lockdown and stuff with, you know, online gaming and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, I can see a lot of this sort of thing starting to grow in, in the coming years. Oh God. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's where a lot of these companies kind of bring their A game. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know Monty Cook had a good presence there, and, you know, these are just games um, that I particularly follow. I mean, it, it, it's essentially the the E3 of tabletop gaming, mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and, it, yeah, it's, yeah, I'd love to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. M- m- maybe we do a special recording from there one year. When we start a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We'll start a Patreon. Start a Patreon. You, you guys all, you guys all donate lots of money for us to go to Gen Con and Let's, tell you how amazing Gen Con is. You know, I think that's a fantastic idea. Okay, I will tell you what, uh, uh, I'll make a target goal: a uh, hundred thousand a month. I will play Five E. Better idea. Better idea. We actually start making the merch that we keep talking about, selling that. And then use the money from the merch to go to Gen Con. That would be a better way of doing it. Because then at least people are getting something for their money. Yeah, Rather but than Patre- just giving us money. Yeah, but people pay for Patreons nowadays. It's they true. pay for quality content. Yeah, so but then I- they're not going to pay us. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Let's see. Let's see. It's early days yet. <sighs> but speaking of, uh, speaking of Gen Con, Mm. Um, there was an announcement from Paizo, which was quite interesting, <laughs> which may actually change the um, the the whole law. Is, is um, this the one that was on our list of content for today that I said, wait, what? Yeah, that was. Um, right. The only reason I didn't mention it last week is because I didn't 
have too much info. Now I still, don't get me wrong, I've still got fuck all info. But you've got more been, info. <laughs> there has been a little hint. Ah, interesting, interesting. So amongst the things that, that were kind of um, announced for, mm. for Pathfinder at Gen Con, one of them was was there are two new classes coming out, um, never seen before in Pathfinder, so that's going to be interesting. But there is also a new AP coming out, which will directly deal with the death of a major deity. Ah. Now, that's kind of where they left it. However, well, that's frustrating. Oh, <laughs> it is frustrating. However, a group of intrepid young reporters, um, known as the Gallant Goblin, they've got a YouTube channel. That's amazing. Um, quite quite successful. I've never actually came across them before, but apparently they have exclusive breaking news from Gen Con about which Pathfinder god dies. Okay. So they had an interview with Luis Losa, who's one of the writers mm-hmm. of, of a lot of the shit that's coming out for Pathfinder. Yeah. And he didn't exactly reveal, but he did. He did tease, so to speak. Oh, okay. So what he teased was, um, he told the story of Caden Kaelian, Kaelian, sorry, who is the god of revelry and ale. Hey. Now, the story of Caden <laughs> is that he was a mortal man <laughs> who one night in Absalom, he went on this monumental bender and ended up doing what is known as the Test of the Starstone, which, upon completion, you emerge as a god. Right. So, one night, blind drunk... So, so the ultimate hold my beer moment. Yup. <laughs> one night, blind drunk, he went and somehow passed the Test of the Starstone. Amazing. Thus emerging as a god. And ever since people have asked him, how have you done that? He's kind of gone, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So what Luis said was, what if Caden is lying? What if he knows exactly what happened? What if he is indeed a fake god? And could it be that the Starstone itself wants to reclaim that power? So he didn't directly say that it would be Caden that would be dying, but it's definitely got something to do with it. Yeah. And I am so fucking ready to find that out. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, that is Yeah, I'm I don't know. I I'm waiting for this AP to come out and I will be yeah. playing it immediately. I, I wouldn't mind playing that because that sounds quite fun. Yes, when it when it comes out, um we I shall will, organize. We shall definitely organize. It, 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 it will make the list. <laughs> It will make the list. <laughs> Amongst the many other things on the list. <laughs> True, but I have now repurposed my Discord uh, server into Too Legit to Crit because oh. I do intend to start getting through some other list, albeit online. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Mm. Well, so so what it sounds like you're saying is uh, possibly doing some, some actual play um, of... Of stuff. Wow. Right. Right. That's good, right? (laughs) 
Uh, yes, Justin, that is exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying we could do some actual, actual play. Plays. Oh, that's amazing, because do you know who else is going to be doing some actual play? Um, who is that? Dimension 20. They're going to be resuming their production of their of their uh, actual plays. Those crazy little scamps. <laughs> Oh my god, that was probably one of the most false segues we've ever done. <laughs> I loved every fucking second of it. Oh, but I mean, let's be honest though, right? Dimension 20, Brennan in general, I fucking love that man. <laughs> yeah, I I have to agree. I think he is very fucking good. Um, I don't watch Dimension 20. I don't in, you know, I don't kind of consume that media. Me neither. Um, but I have seen clips of him. I doing just love stuff him. Dude. He's with, so good. Um, like doing stuff with the Adventure Zone, mm. and I think he's so quick witted. Mm, absolutely, yeah. You know, and when when you get him and Ross Bryant together, it's it's a fucking masterclass. <laughs> Well, I think like what what I love from him, and I I can only dream of doing it as well as him, is the way he's able to add tension to any fucking thing he wants somehow, like with zero effort. He can just be like, "Oh, okay, this needs to be a tense moment. I I'll I'm going to do this, and now everyone's feeling tense about it." And it's like, how how do you? How? <laughs> yeah, his his delivery is is excellent. So good, man. I just I love him. <laughs> oh, but we'll, yeah. get him, we'll get him as a guest one day. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure. Yeah, that'll that'll. Yeah, we'll get Matt Mercer while we're at it. Yeah. Nah, I'm not interested. We'll get. <laughs> Dude, no, Matt Mercer's cool. Don't even. Nah, man. I like Matt Mercer. I've got better things to do with my time. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so Dimension 20. Mm. So talk to me about Dimension 20. Well, they, they are, as I said, they're, they're going to be resuming their actual play recordings. Right. So because obviously with everything that's going on with the, the SAG-AFTRA yes. um, strikes and all that, um, I think the actual plays yeah. were in question. I yes, know the Glass Cannon um were were kind of looking into whether they could proceed, but mm-hmm. um, I do believe only two of them are members of SAG. Yeah, um, I, I think I think it all comes down to contracts as well, right? Because if their contracts are still kind of valid with what the strike is after, then they'll they'll allow it to continue, right? Because it's already meeting criteria or or whatnot, right? I'm not sure on that, but I'm not a lawyer. But that's my understanding, at least. But also, um, having like shows like Dimension 20, Glass mm. Cannon, Critical Role, etc., etc., yep. um, being able to continue, yes, it definitely strengthens the the strike action because you've got this big, these big companies that are kind of going, All right? Well, we can keep com- doing stuff. <laughs> these small companies are, are still able to make money while we can't. Yeah. So it is added further pressure. So yeah, I'm I'm all for that, man. Yeah. Um, and that. especially considering, like, uh, especially like like Critical Role, I, I know we like to to shit on it a little bit here, um, but obviously all of the the you know the the people in Critical Role are professional voice actors, right? So they are all going to be affected by by these strikes to a degree because um 
voice acting is one of the big big areas especially in um like video games and a lot of the content that we consume so like things like anime dubs um just, just any kind of animation all of that stuff is all the amount of work that actually goes into those is unreal um like you don't realize just how many people are involved in some of the shit that you watch on tv um it's insane now, if only they had a list at the end of every program. I know, right? It's oh, if only, if only they didn't have what. If, if only they had one of those that people didn't just sit through to see if there was another scene afterwards. Like, if yeah, but only it, it gets people watching credits. What can I fucking say? Not a single person watches those credits. We all sit there on our phones, and you know it. I had, a, I had, a, I had a lecturer who fucking made it every because it was an audiovisual class. Yeah, and every time we watched a movie, it's like we're gonna sit through these fucking credits. It's like why? It's like it's, thank you for fuck's sake. You ingrateful little bastards. <laughs> See, now, as so as part of my job, right, um, I, I'm creating training content for, for things. Um, now, I'm creating all of the training content. I'm also delivering all of the training content. I am so tempted on the very last slides of the last, like, session, creating a credit screen, which is just my name, <laughs> just over and over again. But they have to sit through <laughs> yeah, the entire Otherwise they thing. fail. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and then right at the end, after all of it, I have a little scene of, like, me doing something stupid. And the the music is Freebird. Extended version. <laughs> no, 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 no. The music is um, Crazy Frog. <laughs> no, I think Freebird, because, you know, they have to sit through it. <laughs> and it's long. It's awesome, <sighs> but, yeah. It is long, yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, Dimension 20, we got carried away again. <laughs> we did, we did. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. The, the fact that like these smaller recordings are going to be able to to continue to, to do stuff is, is huge. Um, and it, it's definitely going to help them, um, especially like the, the voice actors, right? Because they're still going to be working while these strikes are happening because um, like the the voice actors aren't, currently working because obviously nothing's being recorded in you know voice acting world because everyone's on strike so they still they still have bills like the rest of us um so i think it's good all around i, I hope it gets resolved as soon as possible absolutely these, yeah these companies kind of fucking see reason but you know um you know sometimes companies don't unfortunately mm-hmm. sometimes they can be quite badly behaved Yes. And speaking of badly behaved... Oh, God. That was that was shocking. It wasn't as bad as yours. Come on. I mean, it wasn't as bad as mine, but it was still shocking. Um, so, apparently, um, there is a Werewolf the Apocalypse 5e writer who alleges racist and belittling treatment by White Wolf staff. Um, so, a writer had to work on the latest edition of Werewolf the Apocalypse alleges discriminatory and dismissive treatment by staff members of White Wolf and Paradox Interactive, apparently including the use of anti-Indigenous slurs and dog dedication to Indigenous erasure within the tabletop RPG's fictional world. That's fucked up, yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not good. You know, that is... I mean, obviously we can't kind of confirm anything. We don't have that information. Um, and Paradox Interactive haven't 
responded to anybody getting in touch with them to hear their side of the story. I'm I'm mm. expecting a press release at some point. But yeah, if this has happened, we feel I feel so bad for for the person in question. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and I think you know we, we definitely should be expecting something from Paradox. Um, that they, they've got to make a comment on it. Um, the fact that it's taking them some time, because I mean, when, when were the? I mean, when, I'm I'm looking at this. It was published on the 11th of August, and there is no. That's the to say. story, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. The story. Um, the I think the. The actual post July is in July. Yeah, yeah, that's a while, dude. Mm, that doesn't... Yeah. Taking that long to have any kind of response is too long. Yeah, I am kind of looking to see if they have actually responded ever since I saw this. Mm. Um, but I can't seem to find anything. Yeah. So, so not looking good. Not no, looking good. no, it is not. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye out for that to see if they ever do make a statement. But if it, I mean, there, there there has to be an element of truth to it. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, the, a, the, the, you know, so, you know, at some point, this person has felt yeah um disenfranchised has felt you know exactly whether whether intentional or not is kind of irrelevant um the fact is they they were made to feel that way and they shouldn't have um and the fact that there's been no response on it is is not good because if it was something that was genuinely just oh we didn't realize or or something that could be explained away in air quotes then i'm sure they would have by now so Either there's something serious going on behind the scenes and they're waiting until it's all resolved before they make a statement. Yeah. Um, which I hope is the case because it means that they've taken it seriously. Um, but I still think they should make a statement unless they've been told they're not allowed to by a legal team or something. Um, but yeah, they, they need to do something about it. They need to address it. Oh, definitely. 100%. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a... You know, and not to, to kind of end the sort of news section on a downer. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolmenwood. Yes. Um, fairy tale and folklore tabletop role-playing game raises more than half a million in its first day. Jesus, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that is a lot of scratch, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I, I would love that. We could go to Gen Con. We could go to Gen Con, yeah. Like twice. <laughs> Just twice. And you know, come back with three hundred grams worth of Magic the Gathering cards. <laughs> we de- for, for the record, we did not do that. We definitely did not do that. That is not an admission of guilt. <laughs> you should check out my new deck <laughs> <laughs> of unreleased cards. The, oh, no, don't do that. The Pinkertons will be around. They'll be knocking. They'll be knocking on my door. Yeah. Give us our cards back. Give it back. Give us our cards back. Yeah, you're able to steal three hundred thousand dollars worth of cards, get them on a plane, fly them back to the UK without anybody noticing. Give us our cards back, or Wizards of the Coast will sacrifice more babies. <laughs> so yeah, Dolmenwood is an upcoming fantasy role-playing game set in a world inspired by fairy tales and folklore. 
Um, obviously, the Fae, we've kind of seen a bit of a resurgence. Yes. Um, obviously, we've games like Vesson and, and things like that. Um, but Dolmenwood is is fantasy, is, you know, rather than kind of being set in the 1920s or anything. Um, it looks really, really interesting, to be honest. Mm. Um, and, you know, 500 in... What was it? 500 grand? Yeah. Half a million in a day. Half a million. Apparently it shattered funding goal in the first 45 minutes. That's incredible. Um, It's a fantasy adventure set in a lavishly detailed world inspired by the fairy tales and eerie folklore of the British Isles. I mean, just just looking at the art on the covers of the books, it looks so good. It does look good, doesn't it? it? It looks very, very nice. I'm just trying to see what system. See if there's a any system information. Uh, but yeah, um, no, no, it's definitely worth looking into, especially. Mm. I mean, because who is it actually published by as well? I don't think I can't even see an actual publisher. Uh, well, it's on. It's over on Kickstarter, so let's head over to the old Kickstarter and have yeah, a look. Have a look there and see if we can find out the. Uh, old, uh, have, a, have a little, uh, little, little sneaky peek. The old system. Yeah. Um, apparently, you've got six kind, six different kindreds, humans, and a handful of faint by creatures, and nine different character classes, as in cleric, enchanter, fighter, friar, hunter, knight, magician, minstrel, and thief. Mm. Wow. So it's up to just under £800,000 right now. Nice. Yeah, so uh, in dollars... Uh, that's over a million dollars. So they're over a million now. That is fantastic. Um, of their $200,000 goal. <laughs> there is, if you go to necroticgnome.com, there mm-hmm. is a nine-page PDF called Welcome to Dolmenwood, which reproduces the initial introductory section of full Dolmenwood's player's book, providing a wondrous first take of the beguiling, fungus-encrusted realm of Dolmenwood. Hmm. And download. <laughs> Click. And hopefully by the time we finish this uh, episode, it will be downloaded. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it's taking its time, though, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I'm just having a little look. So for $50, you get all of the books in PDF form. That's not That's, bad. And the That's soundtrack. That's Oh, there's a soundtrack. There is. Okay. And all digital stretch goals. <laughs> well, I have now got the PDF that I'm reading through. Nice. Um, okay. Um, player's book. Starting to play. Let's go to there. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot. For nine pages, there's a lot of information in here. To be honest. Dude, the, the ultimate loot pledge tier has some really awesome stuff in it. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of money, but it's actually one of those where it's a lot of money and you look at it and you go, yeah, it's worth it. So, just, just going to pull it up. So, the ultimate loot tier is £277, yeah. right? $350. But for that, you get all of the core books, print and PDF. 
Mm. You get the limited edition core books with the slipcase, like, print, like, box, right? Yeah. You get the referee screen, DM screen, um, and a PDF of, of it as well. You get player character mini set. You get a fungal dice set. You get a uh, patch with the game of the game's logo. Hmm. You get a cloth map. You get the soundtrack um, in vinyl and digital. So you'll get a vinyl copy of the soundtrack. You get a t-shirt. You get the enamel, uh, enamel pins for the noble houses within the world. Yeah. Like actual pins. Um, and on top of that, you get all physical and digital stretch goals. That's really good. That's actually a lot for your money. Um, huh. Oh, tempting, not gonna lie. Ah, I've got the pre. There's a pre. There's a 76 page preview as well. Boom. <laughs> apparently, apparently, it's uh, based on uh, old school essentials. Okay. So yeah, definitely worth looking into. Yeah, I think we'll have to have a little. Uh... We'll play around with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Very interesting. Have a look at the preview, and I will tell you what I think next week. Sounds good. So now, would you like to head over to the couch? I think we should. All right. So, bring up job form. Plop, 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 plop. There you go. Walked over. Wow, that was some <laughs> incredible friendly right? work. Right, it was amazing. That was Dude, it was like you were in the tier. room. It was like it's I was looking tier. around and kind of it's amazing. Where, where did those footsteps come from? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. That's why I'm not a voice actor, folks. <laughs> so, only the one question this week from mm-hmm. the couch with us within us all. Yep. Um, from the enchantment under the sea dance at Hill Valley High. <laughs> oh, um, amazing. Okay, so how do you feel about law players? Listening to other law podcasts, how do you deal with a player that has a mindful of facts and lore about the system you are playing? Especially if they write it into their character, would you go against their knowledge or use it to your advantage? Uh, I would use it to my advantage, absolutely 100%. Um, and if I felt I didn't know enough about the world to begin with, I would either tell them from the get-go look, I don't know this world as well as you, so if I make mistakes, I make mistakes. Um, I'd make sure that I got that out early in the session zero because um, I would hate to, like, counter something that is really big in that world that I didn't know about, right? So, like, if, if there was a major event in the world, like, for example, this thing that with the Pathfinder with one of the gods dying, right? If I didn't know the Pathfinder lore and then I, st- I wanted to use that god after he's dead... Um, to a law player, that could be very jarring, right? So I would, I would, I would definitely try and work with them to to make it right. Um, but I would absolutely use their knowledge to my advantage, and I would run not necessarily story points through them, but law points through them to make sure that I've read it correctly or understood it correctly. If they know more than me as well, I wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think the difference in system is is a factor here mm-hmm. because you play a very closed system. Yes. Yeah. Um, you play a system in which you have to own the box. You have to, you know, the, the information isn't freely available. Whereas Pathfinder, everything's freely available. Whether that's mechanics, law, etc., etc. 
Um, perhaps not law-wise in not specific detail, but it's easy for me to go to pathfinderwiki.com. Uh, I mean, well, we've got the same sort of resources for 5e, um, but there is also just some stuff. Like, you can't know everything, right? Um, like, no. there are events that have happened in 5e that I just have no fucking clue about because I've never read about them. No, but I do have access to them, and I can kind of pick and choose what information to use at what point. In terms of the player having that knowledge, I always caution them into um, avoiding relying on it, Mm -hmm. because especially in a homebrew campaign, I am going to pick and choose what I want to use. And yep. I am going to adapt the law to whatever fits the campaign I'm running. Um, so case in point, right now I've got the characters that they have to traverse a uh, continent, uh, essentially, to, to get to where they need to be. And we were having a look at the map and they were going, oh, we could go here, we could go there. We, and I just went, just slow down a second. There is something happening to the world, which is already built into the campaign. There is something happening to the world, which is changing the face of it. Mm. What you know and what is on this map may not be relevant anymore. Ah, see, yeah. No, I I, I get where you're going with that, and I do like that. You know, it's... Yes... I mean, the, the Pathfinder lore is fantastic, and I have picked loads out of it. But then again, I've also picked stuff, and I've kind of gone, okay, I like this, but I need to modify it. I need to um, change it slightly to give my players more of a hook, mm. to give my players more of a reason to be invested. Yeah. And I need a hook to bring this, let's say, a particular organization of assassins Mm. i need a reason for them to be involved in this campaign yeah Uh, yeah yeah, i get isn't already predefined so i'm changing the law i'm adapting it to what the campaign needs so yes it's great when you've got a player who knows the law but at the same time their version of galarian isn't my version of galarian yeah and I, again, even if I was running um, a system, even if I was, God forbid, running a 5e <laughs> game, which I know nothing about the law, if I was running a homebrew campaign, then the law wouldn't matter. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. I think in a homebrew campaign, the law doesn't matter at all. I mean, my my campaign, for example, we're running in that world during a certain time period of that world, but we're not using any of the maps of that world because... The whole point of my campaign is we're going off the map. Um, we're we're traversing in unmapped parts of of the world, um, and I did that on purpose because I, I did for the same reason actually that, that you kind of said. I have got a player in my game who does know the five E world very very well, um, and to kind of not not eliminate that knowledge, but put everybody in a level playing field with where they're traveling to and stuff like that. Um, just take them out of that world, essentially. Um, so yeah, I, I get what you're coming with that. Yeah, yeah. So I, they, you know, it's always good to have someone who knows the law. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's 
it can change. <laughs> yeah, it's you are the GM at the end of the day. Um, yeah. You are the facilitator of the narrative. And as such, you can change and modify and twist and create and destroy at your will. Yes. And that is something that players need to realize. So if someone is put out, because I'm not running the Red Mantis Assassins the way the way that the the canon indicates then i'm sorry but you're not going to be very comfortable at my table you know yeah. it's you know that that's that's just it at the end of it. yeah no, no yeah that makes sense but yeah we do have another question from couch well, before we get into another question oh. from couch ooh segue uh yeah i just had some breaking news breaking news I literally just got a message from the man, the myth, the legend himself. Ooh. Because, obviously, we, we've been calling him out a lot on uh, Fabula Ultima. Because, uh, obviously, we, we spoke to him about it when he was on the show. Uh, and then the following week, it there was, like, some news articles about it. So we spoke about it then as well. I and mean, it won a fucking any. It did. It did. And uh, he's bought it. <laughs> oh, it is so fucking on. Um, he's bought it. He sent me uh, a, like a literally. He sent me a picture of the cover. Um, so like literally with the message just calling me out. Dot 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 dot. So I asked him, well, "Did you buy it?" He's like, "Yep, got the PDFs. So the physical copies doesn't come out here until October." So he has bought the PDFs, which means <laughs> he is gonna run it for us. <laughs> we need to start setting dates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will book a day off work. <laughs> so yeah so, so that is that is happening that's a thing all right it's time to get the band back together yes let's put up the bat signal let's get chris um <laughs> give, give scott a call and just kind of go right couch is running let's make his life hell but yeah i'm i'm very excited for that mm. so wonderful so speaking of couch yeah although the, technically this question isn't from couch Mm. This question is name redacted <laughs> to open open bra- open bracket zero u open bracket pipe dash pipe. <laughs> I wonder what that code could possibly mean. Mm. Um, no idea. Uh, an escaped prisoner located tracking down capture or eliminative resistance is met. <laughs> Um, and his question is, what's your best approach for monitoring players' gear and loot? This can be in any system, as we all know loot can become overbearing at points, and trying to keep up with a multitude of characters' equipment can become silly. Any ideas? Um, I think we're both going to have the the same idea, um, Obsidian. (laughs) Well, my my answer would have been, I don't. (laughs) Well, I mean, mine's very easy to, because obviously D&D Beyond character sheets track all of your equipment. Um, and I've got the character sheets embedded in my Obsidian, so that that's that's how I do it. So I can, I can literally see their character sheets at any time because um, it's a live, it, like it updates live in front of me, so they can update it on their side and I can see it on mine. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same with Foundry because the ca- character sheets are on there, all their loot is there. Plus, they've got another like a loot character sheet as well. Mm. So technically, I could. I don't. <laughs> mm. I tend not to as well, but if I wanted to, that's how I would do it. 
Yeah, I mean, you could be quite meticulous, but it's far too much work involved. Um, I mean, with, with my current campaign, um, I will be keeping track of things like um, their ammo and stuff for the ship and for themselves, purely because of the type of campaign it is, where they're off, you know, out at sea and stuff. I want to make it so they can't just go out at sea for like... 12 months and never dock right they need to dock and resupply Mm. so i will be keeping track of it for that but outside of that i don't really because the only reason i'm going for this one is because it's kind of a core mechanic for for the actual game itself right um outside of that i don't really feel a need to ever so no i mean we do kind of nominate one or two players who Mm. who act as the the sort of loot managers if it were Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who kind of track what we've got, what they've got, what um, can be sold, what can't be sold, yeah. how much they get, etc. So I kind of delegate that to the players. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's something that as and when I want, I can always check in and make sure all the numbers align. Pathfinder Second Edition doesn't have much problems with loot getting out of hand because it's got a very clearly defined. This is how much loot they should get per level. Yeah. And if you go over that, your character is going to be more powerful. If you go under that, they're going to be less powerful. And mm. that's it. That's the math. So yeah. I kind of stick to that and just kind of give them the loot. They can do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just don't. I don't track it. I've got far too much to to kind of worry about. Yeah, too many plates spinning already. Yeah. So um, delegate delegate mm. players obviously have faith and have trust in your players to do so to do it correctly mm-hmm. and that's it you know it's pretty straightforward from there yeah so yeah, hopefully that answers your question yeah well i think that's about time for us mm-hmm. um i want to thank couch for sending in some some wonderful questions giving us something to do because if not we'd be fucked mm-hmm. um also <laughs> want to thank you for Aww. spending some time with me this evening. Um, just Very welcome. If you'd like to tell people whereabouts they can find you. Of course. Uh, so I am at Justin Accurate TV on most social medias. Uh, and of course, on our Facebook group. Yeah, as for me, you can also find me on our Facebook group. And I'm at Natural Juan on things like MasterdonDice.camp, um, Threads, barely ever use it, but I'm there. Mm-hmm. Instagram, mm-hmm. which I do use and so yeah you can find me there by all means say hello call me a prick do whatever just interact do it um and also most importantly thank you to everyone who takes time out of their very busy schedules to listen to two idiots waffle on yes we appreciate Um, you all we do indeed thank you ever so much and good night see you later everyone